0: Welcome everybody. It's another Gateworld fan commentary. I'm Darren. I'm David. And this is one of my favorite episodes of Stargate of all time. We're watching The Fifth Race. As this she went season show. 2.
1: Yeah, good show. This really sets the ball rolling on a lot of
0: things. Yeah, we're seeing video here from Ernest Littlefield's planet, and we that's actually one of the other episodes that we've done a commentary on, The Torment of Tantalus.
1: So it's kind of hanging together pretty nicely.
0: Yeah, you know, four different kinds of alien writing on this wall, and we just found a planet that has one of them.
1: Yep. Yeah. Not the Asgard.
0: I think I may have been thinking of this this opener, and and thought that it was Thor's chariot.
1: hmm They're very similar, um, I think, because you've got, you know, they they both have to do with the the mythology episode, so that concept. It's like let's go to this planet. We think it may evolve this story so. Mm.
0: so it's a big open dark room that we've gated to Mm-hmm.
1: interesting design
0: yeah I'm thinking the way that sort of the dark color of these walls and the way they have sort of curved lines chiseled into them it almost looks like the gate itself
1: Mm mm-hmm that's the that's the design they were going for it looks like
0: yeah the streaks so this is this is ancient these are the guys who built the stargates classic jack and daniel banter I hope you're watching along with us at home. You've got your DVD or your your digital download queued up with the commentary. We had somebody post on on iTunes that it was boring to listen to. Well, you're supposed to be watching the episode while he listened to us. (laughs) I can't imagine somebody just listening to this by itself. Because we're watching the episode right now. They could have been
1: watching it, though, with us and just decided that we weren't uh, all that we were cracked up to be. This is very true. So I hope that's not the case. I always think that's interesting. Blackness filled with colored <laughs> lights. You know, why isn't it colored lights? Yeah, and there's a beat.
0: Neat sequence. Yeah. Great blend of the mm-hmm. the uh, practical model with the visual effect.
1: Mm-hmm. At this point, with me, I had seen. Jacket stabbed through the arm with an arrow, a trinium arrow, and then stabbed through the I guess through the upper chest with the uh, that legacy device, right And so when this thing comes out and grabs his face, I'm like, "Oh no, he's going to get stabbed again <laughs> <laughs> i I was getting the impression very early on because sh- I had just seen that the show moved to Showtime. And it was just dawning on me that, you know, the Showtime versions were the the natural versions of uh, these shows, like SG-1 and Outer Limits. And the syndicated versions were omitting a lot of things, like one omitted uh, nudity for an episode Mm. of The Outer Limits. And I was thinking to myself, man, this show is a lot more violent than Mm. I originally thought it was. Because Jack keeps on getting impaled. So,
0: Especially in season two, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when he doesn't get
1: impaled this time it was like oh that's nice
0: <laughs> yeah he's still gonna be in a world of trouble here though Mm-hmm. so fifth race originally aired on showtime on january 22nd 1999 and then it aired in syndication a year later january 31st 2000 written by robert c cooper directed by david worry smith <laughs>
1: Are there any guest stars in this episode besides Terrell Rothery and Tobias?
0: There's Terrell. Tobias, Lieutenant Graham Simmons is going to be along. Um That's pretty much Anna it. Is, is credited here.
1: And the uh, scientists. He, oh, look at He's already designing it.
0: He's doodling. Yeah, he's just doodling at this point, but it's apparently coming from his ancient powered subconscious now. Mm-hmm. Fifth Race, of course, was voted by fans on on GateWorld as the best episode of Season 2, which really was no contest. You kind of think it was going to be closer with 1969, Mm -hmm. which was another beloved episode, but Mm -hmm. uh, Fifth Race really ran away with it. It Was 1969 number two? Yeah, yeah, but there was quite a gap. Oh, yeah, I'm
1: sure. I mean, this sets up... Everything. I mean, next to everything, not everything. Absolutely. But, you know, um, everyone thought that this was a good episode from the uh, or a great episode from the the producers all the way down to the, you know, the newest fan. Mm -hmm. And I remember. um, I did not watch this. (laughs) There it is. There's
0: nothing. I, I
1: didn't watched this episode, uh, through the first time, the, the night that it aired on Showtime. Really? Um, yeah, I wasn't able to finish, I was, I was with my dad, my, my dad's a helicopter pilot for, uh, emergency medical services, and, mm-hmm. um, he put it on for me at his work, I stayed with him that night, mm. and his work's about an hour away, so... He, he put it on, and then it had to come off for some reason. But I taped it at home. So the next morning when I got home, I finished the episode. And I just remember thinking about it afterwards. Thinking about it for a really long time. Thinking about the Asgard, that whole reveal. Because I don't, I, I don't think I had seen Thor's Chariot at this point. And just saying to myself, this is a yeah. good
0: show. I may not have either. Uh, the show was, was into Season 2 when I started watching SG-1 for the first time. And I probably, this was probably my first exposure to the Asgard.
1: Yeah, and you're, I mean, if this is the first time that you see them, then, I mean, it's going to be, you're going to have a different reaction to it. You're not putting the putting two and two together, or one and one in this case.
0: You know, yeah. so. Why is Jack wearing a giant red codpiece? Because
1: uh, he's executive producer. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, I th- isn't it obvious he doesn't want Tilk to prevent him from having any <laughs> children?
0: He can hardly get Tilk to hit him at all. You think Tilk is going to go for the groin? I he don't just, know. It looks, it looks silly. Yeah, it does. I think on purpose. Yeah. Um, w- the reason I love this scene so much is because I, I think this is one of the first times, if not the first time in the history of the series, that we see this sort of day-to-day life at the SGC. Mm-hmm. You see, like, sparring in the, in the gym.
1: Mm-hmm. It's good, I think, to have at least one of these... Ow. <laughs> I think it's it's good to have at least one of these scenes per episode. And they they did a pretty decent job of that. Yeah, As the stories got more complicated, these kinds of scenes didn't appear unless they were components in the script
0: that yeah, were we didn't, necessary the, to... The gym in particular, we didn't see a whole lot of it. I remember when it came back in Orpheus in season seven. I was like, "Hey, Mm -hmm. the gym." Mm -hmm. We haven't seen that in a while.
1: I think Jonas fought with Teal'c at one point too.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did. That's right. So I don't remember if it was in the gym or not.
1: And this is, of course, just the the gate room. Just you know, I think it's the gate room, but it's I I think yeah, I think it is the gate room. Yeah, 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 because that that was often a multi-purpose
0: room. I think so. Uh, so back to the story, Jack is, uh, speaking an alien language here, so, telling Teal'c you gotta bend your Kozars.
1: Just bend your Kozars. <laughs> so this is the first time he seems to hear himself. The other times, he thought that he had actually spoken the, the English word, and it sounds right. like in that particular case he heard that he, he heard what happened. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, Rick plays this so well. This is this is such a great I mean, the 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 story just fits Jack's character so mm-hmm. perfectly because it's funny, but it's also really sort of off-putting, and Rick does does both at the same time mm-hmm. really well.
1: And he just looks at that and knows exactly what it is. So now Daniel has a point of reference.
0: Yeah. He's figured out that there's some relationship between this language that Jack is speaking, which turns out to be ancient, and Latin. Mm-hmm. The ancient Romans on earth were known as the builder of roads. Yeah. And This episode
1: suggests that the ancients had a relationship with the Romans that I don't think mm-hmm. is really delved into ever again.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Where where would our, this comes up
1: later? I've already our, watched some of the episodes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> where would our ancient Latin have come from if it was mm-hmm. something, you know an, an evolution of ancient?
1: as as the show evolves and we find out you know Merlin's backstory and the kind of things that he says in um the quest part two you know
0: Mm-hmm.
1: it evolves the, the story a little bit more but his perspective could be limited good old Terrell good old Doc Fraser.
0: So now Jack is not just speaking an alien language and translating these ancient characters. He's, uh, he's super smart. He filled up that blackboard with crazy math.
1: Mm-hmm. This is the only si- time we see the inside of a staff weapon. That's right.
0: And so what is this little vial here?
1: Liquid naquita.
0: Liquid Yes. It it's very shiny. It is very shiny. And what would one do with liquid Naquita? Power stuff. stuff. This is the power source for the staff weapon.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's mentioned again, heavy liquid Naquita, I think, in the the satellite weapons in uh, Absolute Power. It's certainly Mm -hmm. heavy. He says the second part so fast like this is the other possible (laughs) translation but I just don't really want to say it because it's completely preposterous so a piece of our leg
0: so the alliance of the four races were aware of the Goa'uld Which is, um, the, the Gould are pretty late development, aren't they? Isn't their evolution mm-hmm, something like mm-hmm, a few thousand years?
1: Yeah. But it may have just been... You're referring to the safeguard that prevented Teal from accessing the database? Right. It, it may have just been designed to prevent anyone who didn't have the ancient gene. Because Jack has it.
0: You hmm. know? Yeah. So so, not any any ordinary human could stumble through the gate and it's possible. Download.
1: No one else downloads that knowledge.
0: It's obviously hugely dangerous for the person who does it. Oh yeah. But you know, in in Lost City, when we find another one of these ancient repositories, um, Daniel and Jack have a fight over who's going to do it.
1: hmm
0: And I don't think Daniel has the ancient gene at all.
1: Mm-hmm. This is true. So if that's the case, you know, I mean, the question is, is it designed to prevent Gould or Gould-related creatures from accessing the database or just non-humans?
0: Yeah. Maybe just having a symbiote gives Teal'c an incompatible brain. Mm-hmm. As we know from later, from Crossroads in Season 4, that, that his, his symbiote has sort of a, you know mental connection with him
1: Mm -hmm. it's got to alter his brain chemistry in some way and when he loses it you know it does alter him considerably
0: so now what we've just seen here with all these little red stargates popping up on the computer screen this is hugely significant for the sgc all of the gate addresses that we have in our database come from the abydos cartouche uh which which is what the
1: goulds have charted
0: Yeah, which means the Gould know about all those planets. Every Mm -hmm. time we go to one, the Gould have probably been there, if they don't currently occupy it.
1: And that's the thing about Torment of Tantalus. You know, it suggests that the Gould didn't make the Stargate. This is now concrete proof. So it's something that we suspected, but, you know, it's just building on that mythology that's introduced in Torment of Tantalus and Solitudes and, you know brad and rob's master plan which eventually leads to atlantis
0: but what this has done now is is jack's knowledge has input new gate addresses into the computer so we have lots and lots of stories ahead of us mm-hmm. on sg1 where we can mm-hmm. go to planets that the gould have never been to mm-hmm.
1: and the um the episode uh, fallen suggests that jack completed his task because they accessed the last stargate address on his list Mm. um but from this episode it seems that he wasn't done and that was one of the things that always bothered me i mean when i was even young watching this episode for the first time let him finish let him finish
0: yeah and here's the red builders thing with the Romans.
1: On their knowledge, I wrote it.
0: Yep. Can you offhand? Can you think of any other planets that that uh, are on this list that we visit?
1: Uh, well, I mean Visuban. Right.
0: That was in fallen.
1: There, there are a couple. There are a couple that are uh, that are off the beaten path. Offhand, no, I can't. I mean. Hmm. Now, you, now you've got me wandered. I'm not paying attention to the episode.
0: <laughs> well, now the, the plot has developed insofar as uh, Jack has completely lost the phalatus to speak properly. <laughs> he, uh, he can't speak English at all at this point.
1: Mm-hmm. But he can do math. So, up until this point, we've been the, the, the supercomputers have been kicking out gate coordinates as they calculate it, and this will change everything.
0: Right. So Daniel had his little insight from uh, his archaeological expertise, and now Sam gets a little insight into what Jack is creating here. It's a great team episode. Everybody's involved, and eventually when we figure out that this is threatening Jack's life, you know, the team is going to put their lives on the line to save him, or to try and save him.
1: But, I mean, ultimately, Jack has to save himself.
0: Yeah. Dun-dun-dun. So Jack has the ancient gene, but he's still a somewhat unevolved human. Mm-hmm. He's, he doesn't quite have the capacity. He's uh, he's an Apple II running <laughs> iPad software. <laughs> this is true.
1: A great Daniel Jack beat right here. I love this. Beautiful. I brought a tear to my eye. <sighs> SG one modified.
0: SG one is temporarily Samantha Carter, Teal Major Castleman, and this red shirt.
1: Yeah.
0: I guess she's not a major yet, is she? She's Captain Carter. Captain.
1: Good Sorry, I didn't my that, folks. I didn't my even pay attention.
0: Daniel's screensaver. You know how many emails I've gotten over the years asking if Daniel's screensaver is available for download?
1: Really? Yeah. People want that screensaver, huh?
0: Yeah, the classic little uh, Egyptian. Egyptians.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's not far beyond flying
0: toasters. Yeah, I don't have it, folks. Sorry. Maybe a fan at, at this point has made one. I know that they've been working on the, um,
1: some guy made a a dialer, a a gate dialer screensaver, which the latest version is pretty um, convincing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And switch over to Hammond. I don't know if we've ever seen Hammond working on a computer before. Not often. He's just sort of hunting and pecking there.
1: A lot of stuff happens in this episode. Even though they don't end up going, you know, off and off base.
0: Yeah, and even though we don't follow Sam and Tealken mm-hmm. and this SG1 onto this planet, it, uh, it adds a lot of jeopardy. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have this sequence, the episode would, would be just sort of everybody walk, walking around the base trying to.
1: Well, this is the tent pole yep. of this episode. I mean this this keeps it up in the middle yeah because otherwise we're just watching Jack dip into insanity and this adds that jeopardy
0: it was an interesting choice he's clearly building something here (laughs) that's what I said
1: that's what you said. You wrote it.
0: ZPM, basically, yeah, it's, it's like a pre-beta version of a ZPM, mm-hmm. a zero-point module. It's a power source. Somehow that little liquid neck
1: cell can harvest vacuum energy. Never got the impression that it was a battery. I more got the impression that it was some kind of a some kind of a boosting agent. Mm. But it's, it's basically, I mean, they've said that it's a ZPM.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's uh, a lot more power than that little liquid Naquita cell, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's some mm-hmm. sort of generator. It's not just a battery. And here's Siler and this uh, rainy scientist. Tyler, isn't it time for you to go get electrocuted or something? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think that's the only time he was placed among these scientists, you know. Later on, he's just a technician. Yeah. He must have gotten fired after that.
0: They are going to cook alive. hmm Terrifying.
1: So what are we going to do about it?
0: What does it do? It does that. It's uh, the acting in this is so good. Mm hmm. I mean, Jack is trapped in his own mind.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Videotape.
1: Yeah,
0: you what don't see those this? much
1: anymore. Yeah. It's, um, ninety, uh,. Ninety-eight, ninety-nine?
0: Ninety-nine. And Daniel knows that Jack is the only one who has any shot of getting them home Mm -hmm. because he has the ancient knowledge in his head. And if the ancients built the Stargates, then the ancients built the DHDs. This is really smart of Daniel to put this together. I mean, Jack's the one who's who's got the brains to save the day, but Daniel Daniel sets him on the path because well, he's I mean, made this yeah. connection between the stargates and the DHD, and Jack might possibly know how to fix the DHD. Yeah.
1: I have a copy of this blueprint. I love
0: it. Oh, this thing that, that Jack is about to walk the in the The DHD schematic. Yeah. yeah. That's a
1: beautiful prop. It's really cool. All of the notes are, I mean, they don't make sense completely, but I mean, they're all legible.
0: Mm-hmm. And hope Sam can fix it before she melts.
1: 400 degrees.
0: <sighs> they made it back.
1: Thank goodness. Many more years of Sam. I was worried there for a minute.
0: Mm hmm. <laughs> she is a bit cooked. The man himself. <laughs> so they went looking for a way to save Jack, and Jack ends up saving them.
1: Mm-hmm. I can't believe that he's still wearing his
0: jacket. Tilk, yeah. Yeah. So you gotta have protection from the sun, even when you're hot. Mm-hmm. I guess. So now we're sort of running out of options. Going to all these, these new planets in the in the computer going to take too long not going to work and you know fraser's got no idea what to do to help him and this just ultimately has to run its course Mm-hmm. jack's got to save himself like you said
1: but we don't think at this point that he's capable of doing that or he's going to you know it doesn't occur to us
0: So was it presumably when he was typing away and entering all the gate coordinates that he also sort of programmed a, a backdoor program to do this? I don't remember that part of it. Well, for some reason, the gate is, is about to try and dial an 8 Chevron address. And it must be because Jack programmed it to do so just on a delay. Mm-hmm.
1: That's the only that's the only thing that makes sense, yeah, and all that code yeah. he also wrote a back door that would eventually dial the gate,
0: and now we understand the stargate is trying to draw more power than usual, and that's what this thing is. This is a super booster for the Stargate It mm-hmm. allows us to dial an 8-Chevron address. Another galaxy.
1: There she spins.
0: And if you'll remember from uh, Season 3, from Point of View, when we had to dial an 8-Chevron eight, eight, uh, address again to try and contact the Asgard in an alternate reality... Mm. it was it was this device sam and we got uh, rid of it sam and sam's double managed to fix this device that jack made and get it back online and use it one more time Mm -hmm.
1: it was burnt out after this yeah they managed to figure out what was wrong with it and got rid of it because in the grand scheme of things we owed another universe
0: yeah we should do a commentary on that one that's a good show that's a great episode (laughs)
1: <laughs> the quiet scold, subtle scold.
0: Yeah, and Daniels uh, again. He's on the ball. He he knows this mm-hmm. sort of. This is a good thing. It's got to work itself out. Mm-hmm. Got to let it happen.
1: How would that software even know how to build an eight-chevron address? You would get some kind of an error. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have an eighth digit appear on there. I don't think. Yeah. For yeah, television, I mean, it's cool. You know, it's absolutely cool. But in reality, the, the the software doesn't know how to do any address beyond the seven addresses.
0: Yeah, well, that's seven... Earth software, right? We wrote that.
1: Yeah, we wrote that program, or Sam did.
0: Although I suppose if they can see that there are nine chevrons on the gate, they might mm-hmm. build something into it.
1: I wonder why Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich put nine chevrons on the gate Mm -hmm. when they only were using seven. Mm
0: -hmm. It's a good question.
1: I mean, lucky us, you know, generated all this storytelling, but. And that makes so much sense. That makes so
0: much sense. Obviously, the 8th Chevron is going to become hugely important once we get to, uh, to Atlantis. We have an Earth outpost and another galaxy. hmm And that's basically what it is. An 8th Chevron lets you dial a different galaxy. But it requires a lot more power. It always seemed convenient to me that they could track the wormhole mm-hmm. from our computer. hmm yeah, I, in the movie, I don't buy that too much. In the movie, didn't they send the probe through first, and then the probe sort of sent back telemetry that located itself?
1: No, it, it tracked itself as it went. As it was going through the wormhole? Yeah, that's a conceit left, brought over from the feature film, mm-hmm. okay. uh, which is why I, I, you know, I grant it. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, more complications. Mm-hmm. Jack can't take a DHD, a uh, not a DHG. He certainly can't carry a DHG. He can't take a GDO. Mm-hmm. Which will let him come back.
1: But they let him come back anyway. It's not like they block him out.
0: Yeah. One last nice little Jack and Daniel beat. Before he goes to the gate there.
1: Don't look so surprised.
0: Can't track him. And this is one of the greatest scenes in Stargate history. Mm -hmm. And one of the most important to Stargate mythology.
1: He gets spat out as if he's aware that he's been traveling at a longer distance than his body is accustomed to.
0: Mm -hmm. And this this breaks the rule, the the rule of Stargate physics when you're going uh, to another planet in the same galaxy is you leave the gate on the other side at the same speed that you enter the gate. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But when you're going to another galaxy with an 8 Chevron address, that rule does not apply.
1: Most of the time it will. I mean, when they went to Atlantis, they were okay. But, you know, when they got spat out of uh, Destiny's Stargate, it hurt. Mm-hmm. You noticed their feet a minute ago?
0: No, I wasn't looking.
1: They're uh, three webbed toes. Oh, which, right, right. which were eventually redesigned.
0: So the Asgard here recognized that Jack is a human from Earth. But he's speaking the language of the ancients. And look at that. He's got just what we need embedded in his palm.
1: Just what we need.
0: I don't think we've ever seen. That's like technology, isn't it? That's not biological. Um. That crystal?
1: I don't know what that is. We never saw anything like it again. No, not really. And it didn't blow me away.
0: So a quickie download. And he's and okay. Jack is feeling much better.
1: Now we can have... <laughs>
0: the music is great. They're they're so mm-hmm. mysterious. Mm-hmm. And we get to know the Asgard a lot better when we officially become their allies next season. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're so mysterious at this point.
1: If he just got sent back and didn't have this scene, I don't think this episode would have been half as strong as it was. Yeah. This scene, because they're allowed to linger, is, I mean, why this episode is so strong.
0: Yeah, and it's strong because it lingers. Because it's its uh, slow. I mean, in a good way. The Asgard are very sort of steady.
1: See? They have a galaxy called Ida, not Mm -hmm. Othala. It's
0: going to be retconned a little bit in the Season 8 opener Mm -hmm. when Othala is given as the name of their galaxy. And the only explanation I think we can give in terms of canon is that the Asgard occupy more than one one galaxy, Mm -hmm. which makes sense if they're as old as they are.
1: And can move as fast as they do.
0: Yeah. You know, for years I thought that that this guy on the left was Thor. Really? Yeah, I think it was when we started doing the Omnipedia and, like, tracking all the characters and their appearances that I realized... That's not him. These are are just unnamed Asgard. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Great line here.
0: Uh The Furlings and the Ancients. (laughs) Jack stands up because now he's got something to say. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Don't chuck us out just yet.
0: We're sort of like uh, our parents <clears> in the galaxy, <throat> and we're now growing up. Humans are coming of age.
1: And this is the scene where the Asgard realize, you know, or this, this speech right here, where the Asgard realized that, okay, this guy is something special. We want him to be our ambassador whenever we need something done.
0: Yeah, it's because of this that they come to Jack in Fair Game. Mm -hmm. In season three.
1: And other races, you know, they throw us down, like the Knox or the or the Tolan. You know, we ask them for something, they say, No, no, we're not gonna help you. But they listen to him. So, you know, yeah, we're not we're not completely ready, but we want a relationship with you, so please consider it. And he holds out his hand
0: we're out there right now. We're doing our best. Mhm. And yeah, the response of the Asgard is very different from the Nox or the Tolan.
1: And this is obviously big for them because they're all just standing around watching.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, they're not just going about their business. I think that's the most Asgard we ever see in a one
0: shot. Oh yeah. And it's just such a beautiful conclusion, The Fifth Race. Mm-hmm. It's not a dramatic
1: ending. It's not an, oh my gosh, you know, it has to be exploded. It is a thought-provoking ending. And it carries it well.
0: Yeah, and, you know, as as much as as people might nitpick this element or that element of the Last episode of SG One. Um, it, it's it's really significant that Thor comes around as as the Asgard are in the twilight of their civilization. That that they come around through Thor and tell Earth, tell humans, vis a vis Thor's conversation with Sam Carter, that they have become the fifth race. Mm
1: hmm. Mm hmm we always just we always just felt that way you know and the episode says that you know we have promise of that but by the time the se- the end of the show comes yeah that's that's a great nod
0: yeah it's it's like uh, the tari have grown up mm-hmm. and the, the the parents are now moving on
1: and sam reacts very appropriately in that episode
0: yeah now we're the grown-ups of the galaxy
1: but here we're still infants and that and that's a great a great beat that the show that this episode ends on,
0: yeah, I still love it, mhm, two hundred and fourteen episodes it's still probably my number probably best the
1: best, yeah.
0: yeah, 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 there's a lot of great episodes, a lot of a lot of great action episodes in in stargate history, a lot of great stories still to come after season two mm-hmm. but uh. For the the heart, the humor, Mm -hmm. the team, uh, and and just that epic, epic piece Mm -hmm. of the mythology. I love the fifth race.
1: An expensive episode, the most expensive episode, I should say, doesn't make necessarily the best episode. You know, you can have a semi-quiet episode with a lot of mythology and people will lap it up.
0: Yeah, it was beautifully done.